0: From all the film mandates come together with Shabbos Project, We and amazing speakers. Tons of amazing speakers from Israel and from all over, from all over. They got really, really high level speakers. Like all and different it's free. And it's free. And it's gonna be a big blast and a party and a whole experience. So if it's like if there's any Shabbos that you would make an effort to go to, this kind of thing is the kind of thing that you should go to. And one of my friends is holding a sold-only Shabbos lunch, which will be really nice. Gorgeous house, beautiful food, she's amazing. I'm a Brooklyn lady. Um, and uh, it'll just be awesome. So, unfortunately I won't be in the city, well, I'll be in LA, but um, I would go if I was here. <laughs> um, so, I'm very, very, very excited, and um, very privile- we're very privileged to have Rabbi Butler here tonight in his busy schedule, which is usually impossible to find a break like this. Um, Rabbi Butler has got his finger in nearly every part of the Jewish world, um, he was national director of NCSY once upon a time. Anyone went to NCSY in your younger days? Malini, okay. Um, oh, that's when you were there, right. Then he was vice president of the OU after that, and now he's the president of his own foundation, which helps all sorts of other Jewish programs get off the ground, much broader than just Jewish education like this, all sorts of pro- uh, programming. And on the side, he happens to be a uh, major decision maker and senior consultant to uh, Me, which is the organized, umbrella organization over which pretty much all of the trips you've ever been on to Israel fall under, and he makes decisions a, a, a around all of those things and, and how those things come to be is largely under his guidance. So we are very, and on top of that, he was, is now an author. I don't know if author is the word, but he's written a beautiful book. Um, with essays on all the psalms that are for challenge or in times of challenge, and that you say certain numbers, you know, when the, the rabbis recommend you say certain numbers when you're going through a hard time. So he wrote an essay on each one of those with an artist that did a beautiful artwork with a quote, and the like, kind of darker side of things is on the first page, and then when you turn, it's the positive side of the quote, and then there's a place where you can journal your own reflections on each of your feelings about that that song. So he's been kind enough to bring us a whole box of his books for free, and they're at the front. So on your way out, you can take a book for yourself. as a, It's sort of like a, more a journal than a book as well. And he's available also to sign them if you would like on the way out. So we're very, very honored. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, we, we're recording it, if okay. that's okay.
1: okay. Thank you very much. Uh, what brings me here is what brings all of you here. If Jackie says come, I come. Right? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, I'd like to first talk about what I'm not going to talk about. And then we'll try to get into what I want to spend a little bit of time with. And um, we'll leave it a little open-ended. It's really pleasure pleasure wonderful pleasure to be here part of the Soul program um, I have been involved with this a little bit from the start and to see how it continues to expand and grow uh, with people seeking opportunities of personal introspection personal growth uh, trying to understand Mahavatoba Lamo what is our mission and purpose in this world I mean these are the kinds of issues that I'm sure uh, you explore both personally and collectively. I always have that one vision that um, you know when you go to sleep at night and you look up on the ceiling and you're all by yourself. You know, well, you know, what, what are you thinking? And you know, what's my role in that picture? Um, so I just want to talk about what I'm not going to talk about, and that is uh, the son of a cousin of mine. uh... Needed a uh, heart lung transplant. Mm-hmm. And I remember I happened to have been in the hospital at the time of the heart lung transplant, and he was at that time on death's door. And we were like pacing, you know, when is he going to get a transplant? When is he getting the transplant? You know, when's going to be? When's it going to be? And it actually happened on a Shabbat. And uh, I was about a mile and a half from the from the hospital, and I get word that the transplant, they they located a lung that would be appropriate for this fellow, and I go walking to the hospital, and I remember making it in record time, and uh, speaking to him as he went into the surgery, and then went to the waiting room, and the waiting room was filled. Until I realized that, you know, there's the kidney, two kidney families. There's a liver family. There's a heart lung family. And just you could feel the excitement of, of anticipation in that room. It was, it was just literally palpable. You could just, you know, it was a little light, but a little bit intense. And, you know, when's it coming? When's it coming? Okay, it's here, it's here, it's here, it's here, you know. And um, then I walked out of the room and I saw the parents of the person who died in the car crash. King David speaks of That your staff and your rod, they comfort me. There are two different operating systems how God operates. He operates with a rod hitting, and a staff mentoring, loving. And David HaMelech, King David in Psalms is struck by the fact that it's the same God. And at that moment, you feel it instantly. You saw the s- stick, and you saw the staff. We're not going to discuss it tonight, because I have no answers. Why did that person die? Why did these people survive? That's beyond our pay rate. I often say that um, no matter what topic I ever speak of, in almost any environment, there's always this hand that comes up at the end This says, Rabbi, where was God during the Holocaust? That's not for tonight. But I'll tell you what is for tonight. I um, was asked to speak of the, the topic of tests, how they make you, not break you. And the whole idea of, an essay on, of a test, is um, it's as old as the Jewish people. In fact, Avram, Abraham, right? Yitzhak, Yaakov. Can you please tell me, because I'm sure many of you have spent your time reading the Torah, you know, from you know, time to time, right? Can you please tell me uh, how many folios of Torah Avraham learned? Can you please tell me how many pages of scholarship Yitzchak involved himself in? Could you tell me about, could you please tell me how articulate Avraham is in his public speaking or could you, sort of like, you know, friends Roman and countrymen, right? Could you give me some of the lines of, of public policy that Avraham Yitzchak, you won't find any. You know what you'll find about Avraham Yitzchak and Yaakov in the entire book of Brachias? All you'll find are tests. You'll find tests. You'll find nisayon after nisayon, challenge after challenge. You're not going to hear about his achievements. You're not going to hear about his scholarship. All you're going to hear about are different tests. And in fact, you know how many tests Abraham went through? Ten. Ten different tests. And there's a question of exactly what the ten are, but let me just want to run through this just to show it's an absolutely, absolutely fascinating insight into our topic this evening. Um, first, there was Ur-Kazdem. Ur-Kazdem is where he was um, going to be thrown into the Kivshan Ha'esh, into the fiery fire pit of fire, because they said, sacrifice your son. Uh, Avram was asked by the, Avram's father was asked to sacrifice Avram and throw him into the fire. So they threw him into the fire, and he survives because he said he believed in God. And Avram was the first one in the world to believe in God. He was the first one. Harishon Sheikir the first one to recognize God. That was the first try- test. Would he have the faith if challenged into throwing into fire? Test number two. Which we're going to read about now. <laughs> Test number two this week Lechlecha. <laughs> Avram is told, leave his homeland. Go wherever he's supposed to be going, wherever El wherever God tells you to go, you're going to go. The first one is faith. The second one, Lechlecha, leave. What are you leaving? Artsacha, Moladatacha, Leave your land, leave your birthplace. Leave everyone around you. Different mailman. Different storekeepers. You're gonna walk into a place, you don't know anybody. Go. The test of loneliness. Test of loneliness. Test of faith. Test of loneliness. Abram comes into the land of Eretz Israel, Eretz Canaan. There's a famine. What do you do? He knows that God wants him to stay in the land of Israel. What is he supposed to do? There's a famine and he has to go down to Egypt. The test of livelihood. How's he going to handle that one? He goes down to Egypt. And he has his beautiful wife, Sarah, who he says, I never knew how beautiful you were, Sarah. The only reason now he knows how beautiful is he, she is is she, they're walking in public together and he knows the is going to try to take her. The test of relationships. A little bit later in the parashot, there's a battle of kings. Four kings against five kings and his nephew, Lot, is is uh, kidnapped, and therefore he has to go save him. The test of the battles of life. Faith, loneliness, livelihood, relationships, battles of life. Then Abraham says, listen, I want to create this ultimate covenant with you. Brith b'in Habatarim. We're going to cut this animal in half, and you're going to walk in the middle, and then there's going to be this bond. And I'm going to tell you that your children are going to have this land to visit. Your children are going to have this land. He didn't even know he was going to have children. I call this the test of what's going to be. The test of there is a plan. Then all of a sudden, at an old age, God says, Abram, you've been through already six, seven tests, but I really I, here's another one for you. I want you to circumcise yourself. <laughs> you know, wonderful news for Abram, <laughs> thinking that he just just went through everything already. The test of health, the test of body. Once again. He has to leave Israel and he has to go down to Abimelech. And again, he's concerned with his wife, Sarah. Abimelech's going to see Sarah and before you know it, they're going to want to take Sarah. The test of how you deal with your environment. Beyond your own community. Then finally, things look like they're picking up. He has his son Yitzchak, he has Isaac, and he has Ishmael, and he has this concubine Hagar and he has his wife Sarah I mean what could be better, right? and all of a sudden Sarah sees that Yishmael isn't such a great influence on Yitzchak so he says, listen kick your son out of the house the test of choosing and finally the ultimate tenth test is Akedat Yitzchak sacrificing his son, the test of living and dying and sanctification of God, faith, loneliness, livelihood, relationship, battles of life, is there a plan, what's going to be, health and body, the environment, the test of choosing what's right, and the test to live and to die, al-Kiddush Hashem. My dear friends, Avraham Avinu as it says in the Pirke Avot in the chapters of our fathers that what he did is he succeeded He had ten tests and he succeeded in all of them Lahodiyah in order to tell us why is this recorded in the Torah? What is so important about this story of tests? La to tell us all how much we love Avramavinu and how much God loves Avramavinu. God loves Avramavinu, Therefore, you know, if that's your love, God, stay away from me. Rav Hirsch, in one of his presentations, Rav Shmuel Farl Hirsch says, you know, if someone who's making a Pottery item wants to show the consumer how strong this pottery is. They take the strongest piece of pottery and he takes a stick and starts hitting it because he knows it won't crack. Hirsch says that's sort of how we have to look at challenges and faces. But the Kodesh Baruch Hu, that God he hits us sometimes. He does in ways that we don't necessarily always appreciate. Is it a staff or is it a stick? Is it a rod? But he's not going to hit, break us. He's not going to do it. I'm going to tell you a story I just I read. I heard it many years ago. You have time for a story? <laughs> there was a rabbi um, Rabbi Moshe Scherer and he was the head of one of the um, orthodox movements and he was very very involved in in politics, governmental affairs to help the Jewish community in general and uh, it wasn't always that easy because a lot of people in congress and at that time the president we're not as supportive of the Jewish community as they are today. And he would fight and fight and fight, and everyone would say, Listen, what are you fighting so much for? You're not going to win, it's impossible. And he would say, No, you keep going, resilient, resilient, you know, hit me again, hit me again, you know, up again, you know, like that, like that, um, that clown, you know, the clown, clown, you blow know, up the clown, boom, you know, hit it right again, you know, it keeps coming back up at you. And he said, Where do you have the strength from? He said, you know where I'm staying from? My mother. She said, mother, what's your mother got to do with this? She said, when I was sick, when I was young, I was sick. Very sick. And the doctor came to the house, and the doctor prescribed a medication, which was very, very expensive. And my mother didn't have the money. And there I was, languishing close to death, she didn't have the money to put together to buy this medication. So finally she scraped together a couple of coins here, a couple of coins here. And she gets these few coins together, and it's not even enough to pay for this medication, which he needed to survive. And she goes to the pharmacy, and the pharmacist wasn't there, but the assistant pharmacist was there, and she comes in and she's bawling. Said, please, please. My son is dying at home, please I need this medication. This is all I have and it takes out whatever he has. And the guy is so moved by this and, 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 and so he, he gives him the medication and she takes it and she's like, oh, my son, I'm gonna be saved. And she's walking home and she's so happy and she's holding the prescription, she's holding the medication. She trips, the bottle cracks and breaks. And it spills all over, it's spilled all over the ground. And and, and she's picking up this, the, 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 the the glass, the shards of the glass, and and and, and she has this prescription the prescription gets soaking wet of of, of medication and she, she doesn't know what to do. She's what is she to do at that moment? That's the time. You just give up. Skip up. What are you gonna do? So he said that she went back to the pharmacist, and she's bawling, and she says, "I can't believe I put I everything mean, I had into this medication, and, and, and he was so nice to me, and he gave me the medication, even though I didn't have all the money, and now I took a home with it." And the pharmacist was there, and he looks at the medication, he smells the the the, 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 um, the shards. He goes to the back room, and it comes out with a new bottle, and he said, Mrs. Sherrod, your son is destined for greatness. What are you talking about? He says, my assistant made a mistake and gave you the wrong medication. Had he taken that, he would have died here, take this home. Rabbi Sherrod said that he learned from his mother that when all steam lost, you don't give up. You don't give up. So Rabbi Sherr had his mother. Who do we have? You know who we have? Abraham Adin. That's why the Torah spends the entire book of Rashid telling us about all the struggles of our forefathers. You know why? Because when we get into an issue of, of faith, my grandfather Avram already went through that. If we have an issue of struggle of environment, my grandfather Avram did that one too. If we have an issue of livelihood, can I stay committed to the following the ways of, of, of God? And Avram did that too. All of a sudden, the book of the Torah is a guidepost to help us navigate through these challenges. That's what it's about. It can look different. You're not going to find in that environment of ten different challenges. It's not like the same challenge over and over again. It's you know the Torah tells us for example that when when Avram was sacrificed his son Yitzchak so it says et he took the the knife right he took the knife and he was going to sacrifice his son and then an angel comes to don't sacrifice the son right and that story that story of the yakeva, we discuss every year, part of, part of the Rosh Hashanah service, that's why I blow the ram's horn, because of the story of, of Rosh Hashanah, and the Akedah, that, that, that Avram was willing to do whatever God wanted. If you take the word ma'achelet, ma'achelet means knife, but it doesn't, you could use some other word for knife. Also ma'achelet means ma'achel to feed. From the word ochel, to feed. this, singular action of Abraham has fed the Jewish people forever. The decision of Abraham to circumcise himself has allowed every generation of every young male Orthodox, conservative reform to circumcise their son. Is that why? Because my grandfather did it. And no, yes, to some extent, do all does
0: this theory or this belief theory, um, theory, belief, um like do our challenges somehow kind of fall into category of it, of
1: the test? Yeah, right. The, the, basically, we piggyback. In other words, if I know, just like that, way Sherer knew that Mrs. Sherer, his mother, went through so much that he's going to persevere. I go on the shoulders of my forefathers. And that's why the Tucker spending so much time telling me, don't tell me the struggles, just tell me, tell me good stuff about them.
0: So do you think that when we categorize our challenges, we can kind of look at our forefathers, like how they? I, I, think,
1: I, I think, first of all, it really is, you know, the, the way I always try to deal with everything is break it down into bite-sized pieces. You know, you can, you can walk in and you can get into a loop and just like, you know, lose yourself in it. Okay, let's 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 take it. Let's let's let's, let's, break it down. let's break it down, piece by piece by piece. And when you break down piece by piece by piece, you know, someone's been through that already. Someone's been through that. And and you know we 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 made it on the other side. And we all go through challenges every single day. And I, I just want to just digress for a second. Because um, I think it's, it's, it's critical. We just read the book of this, the the Parashat portion of the week discussing Noah, right, Noah. Noah's Ark, everybody knows Noah's Ark, right? So the two interesting things about Noah's Ark and how it relates to challenges, right? When the prophets, well, even before that, Noah, when, when, when he built the Ark, if you look at the verses, the verse said, God wanted him to build a window. How long? So hard, said. Make a make a window. A window? A window in the ark? Why in the world would Noah be a window in the ark? Right? Okay? Yeah, for light? What you could have one little window and that's gonna light up, you know how big the ark was? You know, it was it was three floors, but it was probably like 150,000 square feet. It was a massive, you know, all the animals and all this and okay, listen. Noah, have a window in there. Why do you need a window? You know? You can have a reflective light if you want. You can have in fact some of the commentaries there wasn't it? window, it was like a, a like a jewel that, that glistened. It was light. So light, come on. If if God wanted there to be light in the ark, he put light in the ark. He couldn't do fluorescence. Come on. God can do what He wants to do, right? No, six hundred years old when He started this process, right? He built it for one hundred and twenty years, every day, right? No, what are you doing today? I'm building an ark. What are you building an ark for? This to be a flood, right? I mean, he became nutty Noah in the community, <laughs> right? Right? I remember there was a there was a Broadway show called. Two by two, and and it was a musical, and uh, I remember the, the the fellow who acted played Noah. You know, he's like you know his, his, his kids want to put him away. You know, you know this guy's flipping out of his mind. You know, yeah, put him away, put him away, find him a place before it's too late, put him away. You know, and Noah, he's like you know, okay, keep going. He's building, he's building, he's building, and 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 finally, you know, he says. There's a great line, I feel like I'm 90 again. You know? I mean this is what he was doing his whole life, right? What do you need a window for? You know why you needed a window? The rabbis say, because if you're saved and people out there aren't, you gotta share their grief. You gotta look out the window. You gotta look out the window. We're sitting over here in beautiful thirteenth Street. And our brethren in Israel look out the window. You feel it? You feel it? So what should he have done? God told him to build an ark, you hold an ark. God told him to 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 uh, you know to, to Convince everybody to follow God, he did. No one listened. He was a failure. What more could he have done? So I have to look at their grief. And Zohar says that what he could have done is he could have prayed for them. And he didn't. Right back there. Credit for the other person. Look out the window. Let's say, just for, let's say, that everything's perfect with all of us. We got no issues, you know. And everybody's here discussing this tonight because they're coming here for their friend. Right? But do you ever say a little word about prayers to someone else? It's called in the Book of Prophets May Noach, the Flood of Noach. You know why? That's an indictment of Noah. It's
0: your flood. You know why?
1: Because you should have prayed you look out the window and you see our brethren. We're praying for them. We're saying a little something, maybe, a little, you know, maybe not Hebrew, you know, say in English. Right? Take the Book of Psalms and, and pick out a couple. Say it. Open the window. Prayers are very powerful. Very powerful. You know, Nachmanis said it's an absolutely unbelievable Nachmanis. You know, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe was a uh, bad pet. He didn't speak clearly. Yeah, list, whatever it was, he couldn't speak clearly. And when God says to Moshe, Moshe, I want you to lead the Jewish people, he says, who, me, I, who I can't speak, I can't speak, right? So the Ramban asked the obvious question. If it was so important, come on, what's the question? If it was so important to God that Moshe should be the leader. And Moshe said, as God, my big problem is, I can't speak properly. So what should God have done? Make him speak properly. Perfect. Very good. You prepared that well, right? (laughs) Ramban says, he never prayed for it. Does that mean every prayer is answered? No. No, certainly not. But if it's not so disruptive to the person that they're praying for that? No, she never prayed for it. Leah, we'll get things like Leah had four children. Right? There were four mothers. Each one of them was supposed to have three children. Four times three is twelve. Right? Leah was a despised spouse. So therefore, God, she kept praying to God. Said God, "Listen, give me more than my portion. Everyone's supposed to get three. Give me four, so that my beloved Aunt Yaakov will love me more, right?" So the Torah says, "Good." He gave her four, and then it says she stopped giving birth. Ask the commentaries why does the Torah have to say she stopped giving birth? Did you know why? Because she stopped praying for more kids. power of prayer. I've got to tell you an interesting, can I digress to good prayer story? Right, do you have some time for this? Right. Okay? It's a very dear friend of mine. and This is like we're taking a respite from the, the, the tensions and pressures of, 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 of making us and breaking us, but just listen to the power of prayer that, um, Friend of mine was a rabbi in And he is a judge. And he's a very big guy. He's not only really a big judge. He's a big judge. <laughs> you know? He like, you know. And I worked with him on some fascinating cases, and someday I'll talk to you about it if I ever get invited back. In he's a great case. Um, trying to save two Jewish two Jewish children. Um, Very involved. I traveled to to Rome a few times, and I met with the former president of Rabbis. And I worked with this rabbi, Rabbi Atias, and we became very, very good friends. And he's like a very big Torah scholar. And I have Baruch Hashem, thank God, five children: boy, 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 princess. (laughs) (laughs) And when the princess got married. Rabbi Atiyah said, I've never come to America, but I'm going to come to America just for the wedding. So he flew the day before the wedding, he came for the wedding, and then he stayed the next day. The next day I stayed with him because he couldn't get over the day after the wedding, you know, uh, spending the whole the day, day with time. him. I said, hey, so special for me. of course. So New Jersey, I said, anything that you need he says, yeah, it's kind of funny. I, I need something, I need, what do you need? He says, I need shirts. <laughs> I said, what? He said, my neck is so big <laughs> <laughs> that when I wear a shirt with that neck, I look like an Arab thing, you know, you're, you're the bottom part of it is just, you know, I, I can't get shirts. So, I'm thinking, Candy camera here, what is this, you know? I said, oh, okay, fine. I'll get you shirts. He says, no, you can't, there's no store that can sell these shirts. I said, of course it does. I said, go to the big man's shop, and look and go, oh, I a shirt for him. <laughs> you no, know? got no shirts. I said, uh, what else do you need? Ties, I can get you ties. I you can only wear black ties or white ties, or black, you know, gray white, you know? So I remember I once, you know, bought a tie, you know? <laughs> I, brought, I brought the tie back then, you know, shirts. I said, you know, but you can get shirts made. We'll get some shirts made. What's the big deal? He said, let me tell you a story. He said, my uh-huh. wife went all over Maybrock. And she went to the different stores, the clothing stores of Maybrock. And she says, listen, my husband is a Diana. He's a judge. And he needs, he needs shirts shirt, does he? doesn't have shirts. He needs it. I mean, it sounds like a bizarre story, I know, the way. And if you have, anybody have shirts? You know, it's a big sign. What size? Big! Yeah, big! Yeah, big! He'll come, come in. So we don't have big, big. Listen, if you get they come. The shirts come in. Big! Big! He says, one day, he's talking to his father, his father is an old Moroccan Jew. And he says, Abba, I, I don't understand. I need shirts. I love them. It's it's not nice, my shirts are dingy or they're gray. It's not good, it's not It's not a point the way I should look. He says, I remember my father, he'd take leave. started hitting my face and he said, Abraham, Abraham, you know what your problem is? You pray to God on all the spiritual things. But she never prayed to God to ask for shirts. What? You, you don't think little stuff often turned to God? You don't think God has a little bit to do with making and breaking? Pray to God for shirts. Two days later, he completed his, they do they, the deliberations of the bed and very very at the night. They start at the end of the day, and they go, I know, because he called me, normally he'll call me at 2.30 in the morning his time. He said, I'm just coming back from bed in and and you know that kind of 1230 at night, he said he's walking down the street of Benabrok, an empty street for a poison, There's another rabbi judge, and a guy comes running over to him and says, Excuse me, are you a judge? He says, Yeah, I'm a judge. Why? He says, you need shirts. <laughs> he says. He says, you have a wife that's been running around for the past months <laughs> looking for shirts? I've never seen you. I don't know who you are. But you need shirts? He says, yeah. He says, listen, I-, I can't believe this. Just today I got in four shirts. And I think they may be you. But back. Come right now. So 1230 at night, my friend Aratius, and Posen, go to this man's Shirt store, open up the door, they put on the shirts, perfect! Perfect! And he tells the story, he says, Ah, oh. he says, I had these four shirts, and then he holds my hand and he says, And the last one is this one that I wore to your daughter's wedding. You pray for shirts? You can pray that, you know, little stuff. God's available not just for the 10 tests of Abraham. God's available for the fil- little silly stuff that we say, ah, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to bother him. Bother him. Bother him. <laughs> it says, lech lecha. You should go. You should go. Mm. I have a question
0: about the silly prayer thing yes so I used to find myself praying for parking spots because me too I, always, I live in a city with very few parking spaces but then someone told me maybe you shouldn't be praying for parking spaces because they are bigger things and those are the things you should be praying for which sometimes I'm not but I always have like where's my parking space You know. so then
1: I stopped praying for parking the one who told you that wanted that space. <laughs> <laughs> they said if the praying works, they're praying, and you lost your space. You, God, God doesn't, there's no limit to how much you could talk I'm like to God. Sorry to you. No, 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 don't. No. Are you kidding? Parking space is more important than shirts. <laughs> Especially in New York. Come on. But anything. Yes. Yeah, like things are little needs, you know? If you have, if, if, if you, you know, if we, you we, we think, for, we, if someone's not feeling well, right? So, when you're not feeling well, it could be you have a heart attack, you have a new thumbnail, you know? <laughs> You still don't feel well. You know, God appreciates sliding scales of needs. <laughs> you know, it, it's not, the way HaKadosh Baruch set up the system according to the way it's not that he has emissaries. He says, "Okay, listen. You know, it's like if you, if you, if you. I'm sure no one here has ever been sued, but there's something called small claims court, right? Under $500, you go to small claims court, right? Over $500 is this thing, right? That's not the way it works. Oh, you. Would, oh, if it's a little thing, you go to this thing. God, that's all oh God does all day. You know what? In fact, it even says that sometimes He gives struggles to people. You know why? Because he wants to hear from them. Where you been? Where you been? <laughs> yeah, he, he 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 yearns for the tefilah, for the prayers of What do you earn? Yes. What people's um, natural go-to is not to pray. It's it's other ways like doing mitzvah or like I don't know, spending time or doing something else. And when you said like that, Noah didn't pray and. Um, Than pray. Leia stopped praying because she barren, embarrassed,
0: but what if their like natural inclination is
1: not to pray. Well, pray either e- either either a natural inclination is not to pray, or or I would say in those two cases, they thought, what's the use? Leia says, I wanted this, you know. And I could, he thought he'd give me more. He'll give you more. So what about someone who their natural? So, so the natural, the, someone who has a natural inability to pray ought to work on making it natural. Not at the expense of doing mitzvot and everything else. It's not, a, it's not a, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not an either or. It's not like, you know, I'm a specialist, you know? I'll do the mitzvot, I'll do this, but I don't do these, you know? A prayer, no, no. you a prayer, you know? You want prayer or go to this guy? He's praising. Right? It's not the way it works. No, it's a package. Of course that's the way people think. You know, but that come on. It doesn't resonate with something. It's my relationship. It's, it's it's like it's like you know that's the one I talk to. It's my pillow. <laughs> you know, as I say, when you're you know looking late at night, who are you talking to? It could be shirts. It could be what's happening out the window. It could be one of the ten struggles of Avram. I mean in our struggles. Uh, those are you're not gonna find the struggle that Avram didn't didn't, didn't face. You're not gonna find it. And Yitzchak, and Yaakov, each one of them. And that's all the Torah is telling us. What a depressing book. You know? What happened this week? Oh you know, we almost lost Sarah to, to King Pharaoh. You know? Oh, beautiful. You know? That was terrible. Right? Oh, really? What else? Oh, then it was a war. You know, why was there a war? Oh, then did I, did I tell you about the destruction of stone? Oh, that's good. It's getting better, right? What is this? It's how we face challenges. And that defines the Jew. There are three ways to deal with challenges. One is, and it's right here in this week's parsha. It says, "Lech go. Right? Go. You know what go means? Go means Glide long, keep going. I like to say, keep your eye long, keep going. You know, they're, gonna keep, they're going at you, they're going at you, just keep, keep going, keep going. Whatever the struggle is, keep moving, right? What you could do is, someone wants to explain, imagine you're walking on thin ice, literally, right? So, what happens if you don't move and you're walking on thin ice? You're down, fish. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't, Don't give up. Or let's say you walk onto an ice and you say, oh, oh boy, and you go and you jump from here to there. <laughs> what happens when you jump? I left look up. Go. I say, never let them see this way. Never let them see this way. up step-by-step. Step. You know, it's a Jewish trait. This ability to, to you know, purpose mitigates struggle. You know, if uh, life is a constant test and the sense of purpose is the answer code, then Gracious sort of tells us that's the answer code. You know, purpose, a drive. If I would tell you that you have to work someplace for twenty-five hours straight, you're not going to want to do it. You say, "What a stress!" what if you wanted to do it? You feel the struggle. If you're driven, the purpose. Do it t- two days, three days. What can make a difference? Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. Climbing out there You know, the guy's out of his mind. Put yourself in you know, possibly die, climbing for what, for what, for what, what do you mean for what? It's a purpose. Do I do the purpose? No. If you have a purpose behind your back, the struggle isn't the struggle. It's the stuff that we don't want to do, that we don't want to deal with. When Hagar and Ishmael left the house of Abraham, it's a great story. And with this I'm almost going to end. So remember the story of Hagar? Hagar was this very nice lady. Now I know she's a very nice lady because what's the end of the story of Hagar? She actually comes back later in the history and marries Abraham. Her name is Keturah. At this time Hagar was brought into the house. You know why? Because Sarah was getting old and she couldn't bear children. And she wanted somehow to be involved in the next generation, so she had a fair beloved husband, Avraham. I can't, so let me, let me bring someone to the house, and basically, I will nurture the child that she will bear for you. So, Hagar is in the house, and who's born? Yishmael, Yishmael's is in the house, and who's caring for Yishmael? Who's changing his diaper? Who's training him? Who's teaching him, Sarah? And all of a sudden, miracles of miracles, Sarah herself has a baby, and it's Isaac. Isaac, and this is Isaac, Isaac who's going to lead the destiny of the Jewish people. And she starts seeing in the house that Yishmael is a bad influence on Isaac, so idol worship and other things. So she turns to she turns to her beloved Abraham and says, "Listen." Get rid of Hagar and get rid of Ishmael. God says, Avram, listen to her, listen to the lady. So Avram packs up a very beautiful descriptive series of verses, and again, in great detail in the Torah. And these, he packs up Hagar and he packs up Ishmael and he puts Ishmael back, and plenty of food and commentary explained that had she stayed on the straight and narrow, there would have been enough food for her to be sustained for who knows how long, but she didn't. She started idol worship, whatever, who knows exactly what happened. What happens is that they leave the tenth area of Adram, and they go into the desert, and all of a sudden they run out of food, and they run out of water. And Yishmael, the little Yishmael, is about ready to die. So the Torah says, Hagar took Yishmael and put him under the tree and Hagar went over here so she shouldn't be near him and then he's going to die. So commentaries say first of all that's a clear indication it's not a Jewish mother. Because you don't abandon somebody at that moment. And here she is weeping, that she's about to lose her child, Ishmael. And all of a sudden, the voice comes out, he says, Hagar, Hagar, et hold the child, don't give up. You think all's lost? At that moment, that's the moment of redemption. When you think at that moment, it can't go any worse. You know? At that moment, when you say, listen, you know, the prescription is broken, there's nothing, I don't have any money, I can't do anything. My my, my son Yeshua. At that moment, Havziki Yasayelah, hold the child. That's the moment. The Kodesh Barakhu that God promises us. Keep hope in our embrace. It's easier to talk about than to do I, um, as Jackie mentioned, uh, this, this book was actually created out of struggle. There are 32 different Psalms that the Fida suggests that you say if someone is sick. And I started writing this when my father in law was in intensive care before he died and i started writing some of these essays and that was about uh... twelve years ago and i would write and then i would put it down and i would write again and. Some of my friends who know me well feel that they could, at times, trace what I was writing when. Because in this book, it's exploring when good things happen to bad people or when bad things happen to good people. Reward and punishment. Faith. Faith when things don't work out well. How's that go? I want to end with a song. The famous, most famous song in um, the number one song of the last 75 years is from The Wizard of Oz, which is which song? Somewhere over the rainbow. Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high, there's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby. Somewhere over the rainbow, skies are blue and the dreams that you dare to dream really do come true. Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me <laughs> where troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops they're where you'll find me, find me <laughs> Somewhere over the rainbow, blue birds fly, birds fly over the rainbow, why then, oh why can't I? That song is a song of struggle. In the middle of the struggle, I want to fly. Why can't I? dreams really do come true. Now, I could end on that and, you know, that was very nice. Come on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But hold on to your chairs. This song was written by Yip Harburg, whose real name was Isidore Hochberg, who grew up in a Yiddish-speaking Orthodox Jewish home in New York. He wrote this in 1939. What was going on in the world in 1939? The song's music was written by Harold Arlen. His name was Hyman Arluck, another Jew from Lithuania. They write the book, the song, which is the number one song of the Recording Industry Association of America of the 20th century. And in this article, it says, the Jews of Europe could not fly. They could not escape beyond the rainbow. Harper was almost prescient when he talked about wanting to fly like a bluebird away from the chimney tops. In the post-Auschwitz era, chimney tops have taken on a whole different meaning than the one they had at the beginning of 1939, because the Nazis had not yet created the crematoria. And finally, it was struck by the irony that for 2,000 years, the land that the Jews heard of once in a lullaby was not America, but Israel. The remarkable thing would be less than 10 years after somewhere over the rainbow is produced. The exile was over, the state of Israel was reborn. Perhaps as they write, dreams that you dare to dream can come true. We are a special people. You're not gonna find an illness in the Jewish people today that some other Jew didn't have before. (laughs) It ain't gonna happen, and they had it better. You're not gonna find a challenge that an Avram didn't have, and that's why we praise Avram, because he, empowers us to be resolute in our struggles. The power to persevere that we have within us. If we don't have the strengths ourselves, that's what we have soul for. What a beautiful idea of soul sisters. You know what that is? You know, really, it's not studying together. You know, it's not, it's not partying together, it's not being at the Shabbos together, it's not, it's being together. Being part of that great chain of Abraham, Yitzchak and Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Vileo. Feel empowered. And when you get a little down, ask God for some shirts.